Well, praise God. Who has come today because they want to hear about Jesus Christ? Okay. Did anybody come here wanting something other than the presence and person of the Lord Jesus? I hope not, because that's all we've got to give. That's really the only thing that matters. Let everything else fall away. Language even dies in face of his beauty. Jonathan Edwards once wrote that the beauty of the Lord bows the will and draws the heart. So today I want to stare at the beauty of Jesus Christ for a little while and let the miracle that happens by sight of him take place in each one of us. Today I'm going to talk to you about the heavenly Solomon, Jesus Christ, Christ the heavenly Solomon. The text for today's message is going to be Song of Solomon chapter 3 verse 11. I'm going to take a couple of words from that verse and it will be what we jump off from. The scripture says, daughters of Zion, go and gaze upon Solomon. Gaze upon Solomon. Before I'm able to bring you to see and look at again the heavenly Solomon, we must first look at Solomon. And we see here in 311 of Song of Solomon, gaze, give attention to, notice, behold, this man named Solomon. The two-sided coin of the beauty of Solomon is found in wisdom and glory. Wisdom and glory in Solomon. First Kings chapter 3, we see something you guys know very well. God gives wisdom to Solomon. Do you remember this? He's gifted God-like wisdom. Supernatural wisdom. Samson was separated from humanity by his strength. Solomon is separated from humanity by his wisdom. Both of these men are in categories all by themselves. Nobody else is in those categories with them. They are separated, set apart from all of history before them and after them. Solomon is this. Wisdom itself has been granted to him of God. The scripture says that he was given breadth of understanding. Breadth of understanding. So much so that the scripture says in chapter 10, verse 3, that nothing was unexplainable to him. That's supernatural. Nothing was unexplainable to him. What does that mean? It means you could go up to him and ask him about an oak tree, and he could tell you every single thing about an oak tree. You ask him about a bird. He knows all the birds and everything about them. He's been given breadth of understanding. To such a degree that he is, like I said, like no other person to ever step foot on the planet. Even Einstein pales in comparison to what you see God divine giving to this man, Solomon. Arrogant kings left their thrones and tired themselves to attend his seminar. There's no school in Israel. Why? Because Solomon is there. He is the school. Solomon is in a category by himself in wisdom. But also the other side of this beautiful coin that Solomon is, is glory. 
Jesus actually puts the name Solomon together with the word splendor. He says, even Solomon in all of his splendor. Jesus even takes Solomon out of humanity to use him as a focal point to make a point using Solomon as magnificence and splendor, glory. Jesus acknowledges Solomon to be this. Let me just explain to you what I mean when I say glory. He was so rich. He was so overwhelmed with God's divine favor that silver was despicable to him. This is what the scripture says. The scripture says that silver was like rocks on the ground for Solomon. Solomon was so filthy rich, he overlaid gold with gold. (laughs) He said, it's gold, not gold enough. Put some more gold on top of the gold. He had so much gold that he made even the targets that the army practiced with out of gold. This, This man is so filthy rich that one of these rabbis that I listened to one time, he said he's the only man in the history known to man... The only man to ever have all seven types of gold in one place. Another rabbi says, when Israel was sacked and the gold from Solomon's reign went into the world, the value of gold in the world went down. That's how much gold Solomon had. We're talking glory, a glorious kingdom. He is unparalleled. Solomon is unparalleled to this day in wealth in power, and in peace. No king has ever ruled on the level that you see with Solomon. His wisdom was so widespread known that nobody dared to contest his potent monarch. Nobody came against him because they knew of his wisdom and the great glory that he had. His name Solomon means peace. So synonymous with wisdom, synonymous with Peace, Solomon brought Israel to the greatest peace it had ever known. You say, Eric, why are you nailing this down about Solomon? It's very important to realize that this man is not really comparable to anybody else. You go down further and you see that Solomon gave us some great works. He gave us the Proverbs. Many people believe that most millionaires today have gained their riches by applying the principles Solomon gives in Proverbs. You have Ecclesiastes where you see eternity set inside the hearts of men and he shows that wisdom looks for an age to come, something beyond. You have Solomon has so much wisdom and then he pens the most romantic book known to man where Shakespeare even steals words from it like lovesick. He pens the song of Solomon. Solomon shows me if he writes the book of love and he is wisdom, he shows me that wisdom always produces love. So you look at Solomon and you say, what is this guy? He is something very unique, so much so that God uses Solomon's wisdom to simultaneously hide and reveal the greatest mystery known to mankind, Christ and the bride. Solomon is literally unparalleled in wealth in wisdom, in power, in peace. We go on here and we see, though 2 Samuel, David is called the glory of Israel, Solomon is 
Israel in all its glory. (laughs) Solomon represents a rule unmatched. But even in this glory, and even with this wisdom, even with two encounters with God face to face, and even calling down fire from heaven, in Chronicles, the scripture says he blessed the altar and fire fell out of the sky. Even with all this stuff, it did not keep him. The scripture tells us that he loved foreign women and sacrificed to idols. It says that he loved the Lord, but. He loved the Lord, but. There's something about this that moves me. Whatever's withheld from God will turn your heart against him. It's funny how the man who teaches us the most about the fear of the Lord didn't fear the Lord. Shows us something that it's got to go deeper than just wisdom. It's got to get into the blood. You say, Eric, how can you say Solomon didn't fear the Lord? Well, let me just real quickly explain to you what the fear of the Lord is if you don't know. Genesis chapter 22, first time fear of the Lord's ever mentioned. If you know anything about theology, you know that the law of first mention is when something is mentioned in the scriptures, it remains true throughout. God establishes line upon line, precept upon precept. So you see, the first time the fear of the Lord's ever mentioned, Abraham says, me and the lad, his son, will go up the mountain and worship the Lord. They're going to go up and he's going to obey God, lift the knife to kill his son. And God says, don't kill him. Now I know that you fear me. Fear me because you have not withheld from me. The fear of the Lord is this. I withhold nothing from you, Lord. I give you everything. That's the essence of the fear of the Lord. So you have Solomon tells us the fear of the Lord, guys. It's the beginning of wisdom. You see, he says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. He says the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. But yet he himself withholds women. He collects women, actually, from all over the place. And they turn his heart from his God. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I say all this to say that there's a statement Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Jesus, talking of this man who is separate from all of humanity in peace and wisdom and love and power and and this incredible glory that you see. Jesus says, someone greater than Solomon is here. Jesus says this. He claims, in one moment, he claims to be greater than the world's most unparalleled ruler. He's like, I'm right here. You may say, man, that's very arrogant, you know, for Jesus to actually say he's greater than Solomon. No, it's not only not arrogant, it's actually a great condescension for he who created all things and for whom all things were created to even contrast himself with his creation. It's not arrogant. It's actually humility for him to even liken himself to Solomon. So I say this to say, let us now gaze upon the heavenly Solomon. Having looked and established who Solomon was, unparalleled, Jesus says, there's someone greater than Solomon here. Solomon may have had wisdom, been given wisdom, but Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Somebody may say, Solomon was given breadth of understanding. Well, Jesus Christ 
created time and space and gives understanding to the hearts of men. People may look at, at Solomon and say, well, nothing is unexplainable to him. Well, inside of Jesus are hidden all the riches of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So you say someone is greater. Yes, arrogant kings left their thrones and tired themselves to attend his seminar, but a numberless multitude surround him, worshiping him night and day. There's a man up there and every eye is looking at him. And we shall sing year by year, age by age, unto the Lamb of God who was slain. Someone greater than Solomon is here. So I even look at the glory and the splendor that you see in Solomon, but Jesus Christ, his face shines like the sun. At the sight of him, even his friends fall dead. Jesus Christ is greater than Solomon. We see, yes, silver was despicable to Solomon in his day. And those that know the heavenly Solomon look at all the greatest treasures of the world and think them to be despicable in comparison to him. Yes, Solomon laid gold upon gold, but Jesus, greater than Solomon, gives grace upon grace and glory to glory. This is Christ who is greater than Solomon. Yes, Solomon was unparalleled in wealth and power and peace, but Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He is the God who shall soon crush Satan under your feet. He is the peace that passes all understanding. This is Jesus Christ, greater than Solomon. Praise God. I look at Solomon and I I smile because I can't even see him with a microscope next to Jesus Christ. You know, the scripture tells us that the queen of the south, the richest woman in the south, literally left from the ends of the earth because she heard of a wisdom unparalleled, and she heard of a glory and riches that this world had never seen before. She heard of it, and even hearing of it caused her to travel for years to get to Solomon in order to see it for herself. And the scripture says that when she saw the wisdom of Solomon and she saw the glory of Solomon, she was stricken breathless by the overwhelming conviction she'd never seen anything like this before. She actually says to the point, yes, I've heard legends of this glory, but now that I've seen it, the half has not been told, she says. And then she says, blessed are all those who sit underneath your rule. Oh, maybe you're here today, and all you've heard about in Christianity, you read it in the Bible, you hear of the kingdom reign of Christ, and you hear of this stuff called joy, unspeakable and full of glory. You hear of peace that passes the ability to be understood. You hear of the bread that comes down from heaven where you'll never hunger again. You hear of thirst being quenched by Christ, the rivers of God, and you drink it, and you never thirst again. You hear of these things, but when you enter into communion with him, who is the heavenly Solomon, and you gaze upon him with your own eyes, you will be stricken breathless by the overwhelming conviction you have seen nothing like him ever before praise God and then you shall say by personal experience the half has not been told praise God to see Jesus as he in fact is and I look at love love it just moves my heart song of Solomon is just so precious to me because in it I find how Jesus feels about me in it I find feeling for Jesus in me oh song of Solomon is just precious to me And then I look at it and I see in it this beautiful wisdom of God that reveals love to me. We hear of statements like love is as strong as death, Solomon says. But Jesus, the heavenly Solomon, the one greater than Solomon, doesn't say love just is as strong as death. He says, my love comes to die for you. 
Yes, Solomon speaks great things, but this is what I'm really interested in. The heavenly Solomon's display of love literally dissolves everything you see that Solomon has said. For instance, Solomon's throne was established upon the blood of warriors led by the expert of war, his father David. Jesus Christ doesn't establish his throne on the blood of other people. He establishes his throne upon his own blood. He sends no man to fight in his stead. He comes to win the victory himself. Oh, let Christ wear the crown he bought with his own blood, praise God. So we look at this great love in Christ that is unmatched. Why is it unmatched? Well, because he gave himself Not another, not somebody else's things. He didn't give the world. He didn't give riches. He didn't give silver or gold or rubies or sapphires. Oh, corruptible things those are. Not a cattle on a thousand hills, not men, not angels. He gave himself and all that belonged to him, everything near and dear to him, his name, his fame, his credit, his reputation, his time, his strength, his service, all the comforts of the life that we live. And yea, even his own life, he gave his whole manhood He gave his whole soul. He gave his whole body. And he gave himself to death and death itself. Why? To be the ransom price for rebellious, sinful mockers. There's nothing like this. He stands up and he gives himself as a propitiation sacrifice for the sins of men to die in their room and in their stead. You know, the Bible tells us that God swore by himself because he could find none greater. Well, Jesus gave himself because he could find none greater. Jesus is the heavenly Solomon. And the brightness of which blinds man to even the memory of a man named Solomon. So we see these things about Solomon. Maybe you're asking, you're saying, well, how does this wonderful thought about Jesus being higher than all things. How does this actually apply to my life? Well, I'm really glad you asked. You see, when you bow to the heavenly Solomon, when you bow to the heavenly Solomon, his wisdom is given to you. And we are, we are fools in their heights if we trust our own wisdom over his. There's a fool to the highest degree who says, I know how to do this. I don't need you. A fool to the highest degree looks to men in the face of the heavenly Solomon. Oh, the heavenly Solomon will grant to you wisdom. You can trust his guidance and you can trust his providence because he is so much greater than Solomon. If Solomon stood behind this pulpit and he gave you advice for your life, you better believe you'd listen to him. But now you have the word of God. You have Christ himself displayed for you and revealed to you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, fools we are if we do not bow our knees to the heavenly Solomon's wisdom. What else? Well, when you receive the heavenly Solomon as your ruler, you will enter into a participation of a kingdom of peace. A kingdom of peace that is not altered by the world's chaos. A kingdom of peace set up within that you can say, yes, my peace passes the ability to be understood. Why? Because I live underneath the reign of the heavenly Solomon. Praise God. You say, what else? What else is there? Well, this love, this love that happens inside of the heart that gazes upon this great King Solomon. Oh, you may be as dark as Pharaoh's daughter, but he will take you in his arms. 
Oh, he will enrapture you in his arms and capture you by his charms. You will experience the bliss and glory of a love exchange with Christ that is unmatched in this world. Well, Jesus, whatever is happening, I thank you for your glory, and I thank you for your power. Great peace, great wisdom, great life come upon this man. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And then lastly, lastly, they'll take care of him. Lastly, the kingdom of Solomon is full of glory, yes. But the kingdom of Christ has no end. The kingdom of Christ, the increase of his government, to the increase of his government, there shall be no end. His kingdom shall know no end and his glory shall know no bounds. The majesty and glory of this kingdom's king will reign forever and ever. And you say, what's the significance of that? When you believe that there is soon coming to this planet, the heavenly Solomon, it will rip your feet out from the soil of this earth and the investment in all things concerning this life. And you will lift your eyes to the sky, hoping that the sky will split and let the beautiful face of your bridegroom through. The King Solomon himself, Christ, shall come and rule and bring Israel to its original glory. And this is where I will close out. Jesus says this statement. He says someone greater than Solomon is here. The context in which he says this statement is the fact that men left from all the world to come to where Solomon was. And yet Jesus speaks and men don't listen to him. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in, in first, King, or, yeah, first Kings, it says the entire earth was seeking the presence of King Solomon. And to see Jesus as he really is in his display of glory, the entire world will seek him. So you say, what is the significance of bringing that up about Jesus saying it with reference to them not listening to him? Well, he says the queen of the south will raise her hand and testify against all those who hear Christ that she came to hear a man and you reject God. You say, what is it, Eric, that you're trying to say? I'm trying to say, lift your eyes and see that one greater than Solomon has put himself on display for you so that you can seek and find not only his wonderful and glorious presence and enter into the sweet shelter of his reign and experience the bliss of his love, but you have his very words, God breathed out of his mouth, that you can hear his wisdom and you can drink of his wisdom, as Paul says, the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation. I say to you, if you are here and the presence of Christ means very little to you and the word of God means very little to you, I say the queen of the south raises her hand and testifies against you and says someone greater than Solomon is here. You say, Eric, I just don't know how to really respond. Well, let me just, let me just help you. The higher 
your vision of Christ, the lower you will live. What does that mean? It means when you see him as he in fact is and continually look to him as he in fact is, you will live lower and lower and lower. You say, what does that mean, live lower? It means you live dependent upon him. You, you look for him to guide you. You say things like David. David says, it says he inquires of the Lord. It's a no-brainer, but he still inquires of the Lord. Why? Because he recognizes even all his own wisdom and even all his own strength. It pales in comparison to the, di- the, the divine directive that comes from God. So maybe the challenge to you is simply this, to lift Christ a little bit higher in your life by taking more time to listen to his great wisdom. To listen for his words, to listen to his life, to listen and experience his presence and let that be the center of your life. Let him be the king and the ruler of your life. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you that we have heard your word today. We have lifted Christ high and may he be so bright that he extinguishes all the other lights in the sky in your precious name.